Beer is an alcohol, Neo. That alcohol is our friend. But when you're drunk on it, you look around. What do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters. The very taste buds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of the no-fun zone. And that makes them our enemy. You have to understand most of these people are not ready to be imbibed. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on having no fun, that they will refuse to do a boat race. What are you getting on about? Uh, vis-a-vis, concordantly! Oh, and we still know Kung Fu. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 140th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wabam Entertainment. That's W-O-B-A-M Entertainment. And we are in the premiere of our fourth season. They said it couldn't be done, but here we are. Just drinking the night away and talking about movies that were made far too late. Muzzle Tov. Congratulations on four seasons there, T-Dubs. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, we're celebrating this momentous occasion with a special episode and another in our HBO Max series. Those are movies that basically premiered on HBO Max as well as in theaters. And we are talking The Matrix Resurrections. Not to be confused with the porn parody released several years ago, The Matrix Erections. Oh, Different movie. Okay. Did, then I watched the wrong one. Yeah. Uh, whoops. <laughs> they're both love stories, though, right? So it's all about the power of love and boners. Okay, cool. Okay. They so have, I think they have equally the same level of dialogue. So there's that as well. I think we're fine. Was Neil Patrick Harris in the in uh the resurrections one too? Because he he has kind of a spot cameo in erections. Strangely, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. It was a All big right. get for the uh the erections production, but uh yeah, they landed uh NPH. His uh he's his just in the was, background doing magic tricks. Yeah, his name was Doogie Wowser. <laughs> hey. Uh, so this sequel is basically 20 years in the making. It's 18 years after the Matrix Revolutions. Was it necessary? Eh, it's probably up for debate. I loved it. So we'll get to that. But was it necessary? Eh, I don't know. kind of feels like the movie itself admits that it's unnecessary. I think it goes out of its way to say it. Like, what are we even doing here? I, I kind of feel like this was like a do-over almost. Like it wasn't like a reboot of the whole franchise, but it's like, yeah, this is the sequel we really wanted to do. That's I have a question about that when we get to our questions. Um, okay. But I do want to talk about that. So along with me for this jaunt through ones and zeros are the rogue version of Agent Smith, Chumzilla. In the erections, he's the really horny Agent Smith. In this one, he's just violent. I mean, to be fair... He's really horny in this one, too. He gives off a vibe, for sure. Mr. Anderson, is that bullet time in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Okay, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. The French tickler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> we've also got the man whose leather fetish makes even Morpheus jealous, Captain Cash. I need everyone, even if you don't like this movie, to respect new Morpheus's drip. It is gorgeous in every sense. He is so impeccably dressed. Very sharp dresser. Uh, unfortunately, Mary McCheese took the blue pill, so he's not here. <laughs> so, somehow I envy him. Listen, put me back in the machine. Been- yeah, I'm sorry. Give me some sweet Oakleys and send me back to 1999. Yeah, frost my tips. Sign me up. Like, <laughs> I will listen to as much Sugar Ray as I have to. Yep. I think I believe that's why. Neo in this version of the movie attempts to jump off the building. Sugar Ray was playing the event he was at. Listen, <laughs> all I'm trying to say is as much Sugar Ray as you have to listen to in 1999 is a surprising amount of Sugar Ray. All around the world, statues crumble for him. So it's, it's, who it's knows just, how long he's loved Trinity? Yeah. I mean, at least 60 years. Yeah, those are just things I know. So points for you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. And you can find Wabam Entertainment on Twitter and Instagram at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T. The Matrix Resurrections can be seen currently in theaters, which nobody's doing, or you have a couple weeks left to see it on HBO Max. Uh, I chose the latter because Omicron is essentially the architect muttering a bunch of big words before revealing we're living in a perpetual cycle of shit. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at. Yeah, that's where we're living. I mean, we're only, we're only in the third <laughs> iteration and there was like what they were in the sixth iteration of the Matrix at the end of the Matrix 2 when the movie stopped making any sense whatsoever. I'm kind of pissed yeah. I'm not in the yeah. in the Matrix that has werewolves. I feel like that's not too much to ask. Yeah, I mean, at Wait. least the, the cool guys with the blonde hair that could the ghosts. Yeah, brothers? Go through yeah. Shit. yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. The the albino twins. Yeah. Yes. That was that was a cool scene. Those guys should have come back. Like a right? Like the Merovingian shows up. If you'd at least given us those guys, it'd have been like, oh right, like the guy from two. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wondered about that when he showed up, but they didn't. But uh anyways, mm. on to beer. What are we drinking tonight, Chumpzilla? Okay, for tonight, I have selected a Chumpzilla local brew uh to pair with the Matrix Resurrections. I've got red hair brewings. Two Hazy Five IPA, which is brewed in lovely Marietta, Georgia. Uh, I chose a red hair beer uh, for the Matrix Four because following the White Rabbit is a reoccurring theme in the film series. So get it, red hair, White Rabbit, red close pill, enough, whatever. Red pill too. So red pill. I like that. Yep. Uh, anyway, though, so this Two Hazy Five IPA is named after the I two eighty five Interstate Loop around Atlanta. And it's a lighter-bodied, hazy IPA that still packs a Captain Cash-approved punch with an ABV of 7.2%. And it pours a golden, hazy orange uh, with a light head and a decent aroma of citrus and hops. And here's what I really like about this beer. It's got a semi-dry mouthfeel, so it's not too juicy, but it's definitely hoppy. And it's got your standard citrus notes. Uh, It's brewed with uh, a Zeka citra idaho seven and amarillo hops and this beer is available year-round in sixers of 12 ounce cans and on draft where you can find it which is only in this local southeast market so sorry about your luck you damn yankees uh anyway 
I feel like I say this about most of the IPAs we cover on the pod, um, especially the ones I pick and I, mean, I guess IPAs in general, but I think this is a really drinkable beer. Um, I'd like that lighter mouthfeel. Uh, so I'm going to give this two hazy five IPA, three bad movies. And on that note, I'm going to crack one right here. Cheers, gentlemen. All right. So Matrix Resurrections directed by Lana Wachowski. Uh, yeah, Lily pointedly not showing up for this thing. Uh, so from what I read, she did not want to do a new Matrix. Now, there's a scene in this movie where they're heavily implying that if she didn't do it, they would do it themselves. There have right. been scripts floating around Hollywood for quite some time. Can I ask a question real quick here, Thunderous Wizard? Yeah. What's the power play there that either that did they like not really want her but like we'll take you if you want to like i don't quite understand that well like, either no, you do it or she, do it without you i don't get she it she came to them with a fully formed idea both of their okay. parents died within five months of each other mm. and that's where she kind of came up with the thematic meaning of this film which really is heavily the power of love and we'll get to that but uh, it was like a very cathartic experience writing this. And from what I read, Lily just couldn't come back to the characters. The emotional weight of losing the parents combined with revisiting these characters that meant so much was too much. So huh. Lily opted not to return. I don't want to go into this question now, but I do want to do it after we've had a chance to discuss this movie, which is, would you have rather they not come back like not just the Wachowskis but literally Keanu, Carrie Moss everybody else just not come back and then run with something else or would you have rather had this and I feel like that's a discussion I want to have let's not okay. do it now yeah let's do it after the plot because I do have a question about what would an ideal Matrix sequel or maybe reboot look like for you yeah um, if you've seen other Wachowski films Speed Racer Cloud Atlas those are like two that are pretty much considered cult favorites i think i love speed racer and both, i want to do speed yeah, racer yeah. on this pod so bad they're both like, really good i think those are two of their better movies so the thing that kills me with that one is like it, it bombed at the time but like i watched that movie what did you want out of a speed racer movie it's exactly what a speed racer movie ought to be and it looks great it does I, it's one of those movies where I, again, I say this like as a generic comment, but audiences just didn't know what to do with it. And, uh, and yeah, to your point, Captain Cash, I, what, what did you expect? Like, like it's, have you it's not like seen I, the source material. This yeah. is probably as good as it gets. I, 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 got, mean, I although I mean, Emil Clark, the performance wasn't great, but whatever. I mean, it's kind of like the Emil people Hirsch, who went and saw whatever. Emil Hirsch. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like the people who went to like the Transformers movies and went. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense that they're giant robots that turn the cars. It's like, that's the whole premise. You have a problem with the premise, not the film. Well, anyway, I, I think obviously speed racer is probably a little bit further out of popular lexicon. That's uh, fair. But it, if you watch the cartoon, it felt like the cartoon to me, but that's a discussion yeah. for another time. Sure. Uh, Resurrection stars, of course, Keanu Utah. Give me two Reeves as Neo or Thomas Anderson. Carrie Ann Hogarth, Moss is Trinity, a little uh, Marvel Netflix shout out for you, Captain Cash. Oh, there you go. She, uh, you I got, mean, listen, that first season of uh, Jessica Jones was really, really, really good. It was good. And she was good in it. Uh, yep. 
You've got Yahya Black Mana Abdul Mateen as Morpheus. He's just slaying comic book characters these days. Dude, that guy's getting work. Uh, he's awesome. I love him. So I'm really glad he's getting a lot of work. He's good in like everything. I mean, he's good in this. I have my my nitpicks, but we can get into that with the plot. Hey, let's just say it now. I appreciated that he did not just completely ape the Morpheus character Agreed. from Larry Fishburne. Yes. Like he was definitely a Morpheus, but he wasn't that Morpheus and it worked. Yes. Uh, totally. Um, I did read that somebody asked Larry Fishburne uh, why he wasn't coming back for this. And he's like, you need to ask a lot of what Chowski is. Oh, yeah. That, so that bums me out a lot. Didn't get the call. I, I, in watching the movie, I think it makes sense the way they did it because he would literally have to be a much more, they would have had to use a de-aged version of him if he was going to be this computer program. And That's that fair. never looks good to me. So, no, but in continuity, though, is he not dead? Yes, he died. He was a leader of Zion for a number of years, and we'll get to that as well. Maybe that's a spoiler, yeah, but so, I, I mean, really somebody, think it, it is. Yeah, but it makes sense in the context of the movie that he would be a different version of himself. Yeah. Because the version yeah. in the movie is not actual Morpheus. It is it's a, a Morpheus that, that Neo created. It's also a combination of things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and we'll get I, there yeah. it gets at the beginning of the plot. So you've got Jessica Iron Fist Henwick as Bugs. I thought she was my favorite character in the movie. You've got Jonathan La Da 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 Graf as <laughs> Agent Smith. Neil 8 bit Chris Patrick Harris as the analyst. Jada Pinkett Smith also returns as Niobe. And the bitch of Mitch Buchanan's beach, Priyanka Chauffeur Jonas, is here as Sati. Uh, there's other familiar faces of our plugged in past who also return, such as. Uh, how do you say that French guy's name? The Merovingian? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Orgasm Which, pie guy. <laughs> yeah, like, we we need to talk about him because why is he here? Like, in is a that movie the, Is that the homeless guy? Well, yes. I, I, like, I think why he's here is, is one of the... This movie has a lot to say about a lot of things. And he's almost like, you ruined the purity of the internet. When you got rid of the old Matrix which was pure. I could get away with all my fun stuff. And now it's full of face fuck and Zucker shit and all this other stuff. So yeah. he goes on like this little rant about like, you know, back in the day when we just had uh Web rings, everything, everything <laughs> was great. You fucked it all now up. He has to, now he has to do all his ranting on parlor. Yeah. And TikTok. So <laughs> that's like, I don't think that's one of the more effective uh, commentaries they have in the film, but it is kind of funny at the time. He he looks like Robin for... Williams from Jumanji, like, like he's he the Fisher King. Uh, no, uh, but you know for a fact, if we were living in the Matrix, the Sentinels would definitely be running TikTok. Uh, with all them arms, you have to know that they dance like crazy. I bet it's well. No, I'm just I'm just saying that, that that's that's how they keep tabs on us. TikTok is certainly TikTok. Uh, that's a surveillance software. Something that this movie is saying is inherently bad. TikTok has like been pretty bad lately. I don't know if you are familiar with the things, the challenges, assault a teacher, just like destroy something in your school, kidnap a dog. These Devious licks. So yeah, uh, not great. Anyways. You know, we had a name for that when we were younger. They were called felonies. <laughs> yeah. And you usually didn't film yourself doing them. So <laughs> shit. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> old and angry about things that are new. Yeah. Saying we didn't do them, we just didn't record it. You know, listen, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of get off my lawn energy to this movie and we're just gonna really to, we're gonna have to channel it here well yeah yeah and i have to admit there's a fair amount of that in keanu's performance like I, his vibe in this is almost like i'm over it i thought he did really well uh a lot it's of his performance is basically like you know this guy's experienced a lot of trauma and he's clearly conflicted and suffering whatever let's talk about how this movie's doing because it's doing really badly uh, it's grossed just over a hundred million dollars worldwide thus far it costs upward of 190 million uh that too is a lot of ones and zeros and they're going to be losing a lot of ones and zeros i've read that it's streaming well but i've also read it's one of the most pirated movies of the year which sucks uh because i just read an article that black widow apparently probably was cost 600 million in illegal piracy streaming because of its decision to go to disney plus because somebody torrented it from there put it on the internet so Life lesson, don't be a dick and support films with your wallet because if you want films that you enjoy to continue getting made, then you need to show them that you want to see them. Pirating movies is a shitty thing to do. Yes. To, you know, like... <laughs> yes. This yeah. this podcast yeah. hops in box office flops does not endorse the super cool crime of piracy. Yeah. I just uh, want to say that I paid hard american currency for black widow i regretted it but i did Same. and uh i did not pirate this movie either uh, um, the matrix four black so, widow got my 30 dollars, and i'd like 15 of it back yeah same <laughs> i same. mean we'll just split it okay you know what you know what i'll, I'll i'm comfortable with my 30 dollar purchase as long as 15 that i want back goes directly to scar joe sure yeah she can have 15 uh, of my dollars. She she because she deserves it. She should have yeah. gotten that movie five years earlier. Actually, I take it back. You can keep all 30 of those dollars, but I'd like 20 of my jungle cruise dollars back. <laughs> <laughs> that seems reasonable. Yeah. I, and I want them taken directly from the rock's bank yeah, account. I, I think the rock has more than <laughs> enough to pay me my $20. Thank you. Uh isn't that a plot of a South Park episode where they track down Mel Gibson to get their money back from the Passion of the Christ? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, wow. So okay. this movie's failure is a little hard to figure. We'll talk about it again and when we get to our lingering questions. But it honestly seems like people are only braving the pandemic to go see Spider-Man because everything else is doing bad. Like literally everything else. And if this is available on HBO Max, why go to a theater? I mean, it does. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. I wish I could have seen it on a big screen, but I think that's kind of the double-edged sword uh, of having a successful <clears throat> streaming platform, because I think a lot of people have HBO Max because they've had some decent stuff that's been straight to you know streaming, and I feel like they've gotten a lot of people's money. But yeah, the problem is then when you try to compete directly with the box office. That, that pre-existing streaming audience is just taking a huge bite out of that. This Because, you know, there's no yeah. way in hell Disney would ever put um, Spider-Man or Sony, for that matter, streaming anywhere near the theatrical release. Well, you know, but we saw, that yeah. obviously, Disney had different plans for Black Widow. It's a different property, yada, yada, yada. But, yeah, I mean, this movie's not as big as Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, the property's not as big partially because the time since the last moon came out and the, and the hype wasn't yeah. really as high. Right. But still, yeah, they probably didn't do themselves any favors. They probably should have stretched out an exclusive window there 
just to try to squeeze some of that money out. Well, this is opening in China, which a lot of the uh, Marvel films that have come out to date have not. And I feel like this will make some good money there, but still it's going to, it's going to lose money in the long run. It it Um, might break even on the very surface if it has a good run in China. Anyways, Mm. uh, this was generally well-reviewed. It's, Last I checked, it was at 65% on Rotten Tomatoes with 275 reviews. It's Metacritic is 64. The user score is pretty tepid as well. It's in the 60s. But considering Revolutions was like in the 30s, and I think Reloaded at the time was in the 40s percentage-wise, and now somehow it's like a 75, and I know that's not what it was at when it came out because I did not like the sequels to the original Matrix at all. And... uh there was I, I remember them being very divisive, and that's why Re- Revolutions made significantly met less money than Reloaded, which made over seven hundred million dollars. Yeah, well, it's the stronger of the two sequels, certainly, at least from like a, an action standpoint. It's it was more straightforward. It still felt like the first movie, whereas the third one just felt like third one's a, weird, a very weird movie. Um, yeah, weird sci-fi, you know, off the rails side story. Anyway. So, anyways, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? We'll start with Chumzilla. Don't call it a reboot. It's a rehash of your favorite parts of the first two Matrix movies with just enough of the stuff from the third one to say we tried to tie it all together. Yep. Okay. Captain Cash. The Matrix, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I've read that comparison too, and it, it is pretty apt because this movie, I think, takes what would be considered audience expectations and turns them on their head. Like, no, that's not what we're going to do. Like this is not being made uh, for the sake of cheap nostalgia, et cetera. This is going to say some things and it's going to be a little weirder than got, you would expect. I don't know. Man. This feels like very, very nostalgia heavy for a property that I don't know. The first quite has. Yeah. Yes. That I don't know quite has the cachet. Now I think it, it brings up some interesting ideas, but to the point where you're literally doing the first act of the first movie beat for beat again. It's like uh, while it plays in the background on screen. I know somehow the matrix has returned. It's yeah. A little, okay, it sure. Was, it, it was a little, a little on the nose to have the actual movie playing in the background. Uh, but I don't see this as being rise of the Skywalkers or Skywalker or whatever. To me, yeah. this is more in the vein of uh, like the matrix Genesis. Like I feel like this is more like no, Terminator no. Genesis and, and or even The Force Awakens, where you get and I would also heavy cribbing uh, until it until the stories you know start to diverge from previous the, the, films. The Force Awakens is a new hope. It's like the exact same thing, and it right, suffers right. heavily for it. This I think actually has some new ideas, and it assesses how the internet has changed and how internet culture has changed as well. I would call it. Either Mark Zuckerberg presents Meta, or, or, <laughs> or Lana Wachowski's big budget "fuck you" to mindless consumerism, toxic online culture, the idiotic pressures of the studio system, and the shameless pandering of most mass market media, and our sad inability to question it. Because <laughs> that's sort of what the movie is doing. I think it touches on a lot of that stuff. Does it really do anything with it? 
No, that's uh, probably that's debatable. I I thought it was effective enough. I like some of the metaphorical things it does, and we're going to get there. The actual IMDb description is: return to a world of two realities, one everyday life, the other what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct to truly know himself, Mister Anderson will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. That leads us into the plot. I'm going to have a spoiler warning at a certain point, and I'll timestamp that in the notes for the show so don't worry if you haven't watched it yet you can skip all the spoiler parts then just get to our lingering questions but anyways this occurs 60 years after the events of the matrix revolutions the online construct known as the matrix still exists neo or thomas anderson is again toiling away inside it drugged into submission by his online overlords his life and the events of his past are infused into the new matrix as a game he apparently developed because in his new job, he is this very successful game developer. That is why the the screen is always flashing visions of the old movie because he created, that's essentially this yeah, game. The, the conceit is the, the first three movies are the game that he made that exists within this world, which, I mean, if you had to like, keep someone around and trick them into doing your bidding or at very least just existing in your world, convincing them that the, everything that happened to them was just a game that they designed. It's not a terrible way to do it. What no. is it? The, the greatest trick the matrix or the machines ever pulled was convincing the humans. It, the matrix didn't exist. Yeah. So though he's enslaved pockets of his subconscious are literally trying to claw out so he creates this modal, which is a modded simulation, recreating the events of the original film's opening. This is where Trinity discovers the location of Neo. Okay, here's where he's going to be. He's the one, yada, yada, yada. The modal is stumbled upon by Bugs and Sec. These are two crew members of the Minocyne. And through it, she discovers that Neo has recreated Morpheus. He's a combination of Morpheus and Agent Smith. Why did he bring these two people together? Because they're essentially the two two crucial people that would help clue him into what he is currently living in is not real. Like this was actually your life, whatever. Um, yeah, it's a little yin and yang action there. Yes. Which I liked, but it's, this is the, this opening scene too starts to give this sense of the characters who were previously played by different actors now aren't all that way because the opening of this movie is the opening from the matrix, but instead Trinity is not played by Carrie Ann Moss. It's some other actress who I don't think shows up again. Does she? Uh, no, she's just in that scene. And, but Morpheus, quote unquote, Morpheus uh, is there, but it's the new actor, not Larry Fishburne. But he's Agent Smith in that moment. Right. Uh, and then, you know, he and Bugs stumble upon each other and they come to realize like, holy shit. He's been sending you signals. He's been sending me signals. She's like, I know he's real because I saw him, which we'll kind of get to. Um, mm -hmm. And so they determined like, it was like, all right, we got to get him out of there. She agrees. Thus the movie is set. Like now we'd get into more spoilery territory. So if you haven't seen the movie, this is where you can stop. I'll tell you where you can start again in the notes. So Bugs and her crew set out to free Neo. He doesn't necessarily want to be freed because his body has become codependent on the blue pill. Uh, Smith, who is Jonathan Groff in this case, and not uh, Hugo Weaving, apparently scheduling conflicts and then COVID screwed all that up, but he was going to be coming back. 
Which but, why didn't they get the red skull? Just wait. Back? Yeah, <laughs> I you know I think if you if you push a shooting schedule, it costs money, and a movie that costs this much, probably not going to happen. And at this point, because of the way the movie's set up, there's really no reason you can't use just a different actor there. Yeah, I you know I I like that guy a lot, so I think he's great. Mind hunters, he's obviously incredible in the the stage production of Hamilton. So I thought it was interesting to have somebody else in that role because by the end of the Matrix Revolutions, I was pretty sick and tired of that that version of Smith and Neo fighting what you know was basically pointed at in the movie as being useless like we can do this forever but this is useless nothing will ever come of this so at least it makes it feel a little bit fresher uh smith has also been lulled into a state of submission uh he's neo or thomas anderson's boss at the video game company morpheus shows up hey take the red pill and this kind of frees both of them because all the shit hits the fan I would say this movie is paced decently well because there's a lot of exposition, but there's also a lot of action. The action, I don't think, ever recreates the magic of the first one, but here you get a nice little office shootout and Neo eventually winds up on a roof drinking his face off and is convinced, like, hey, I should go with these people because, hey, better than the alternative. (laughs) Jumping off the building? Yeah, going back to more pitch meetings, which is one of my favorite scenes in the film because if you've ever been in a marketing, marketing meeting, like, that's what it's like. Buzzwords, synergy. Like, I, I get that there is a character that is Thomas Anderson's buddy who is specifically designed to just be the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's constantly like, oh, man, I'm such a fan of the Matrix. It, I kind of disappeared into it for a while. I'm such a big fan. Oh, let's let's do this thing. Let's talk about this. And I'm like, oh, and, you, and he's clearly there just to overwhelm Neo so that Neo doesn't notice what's going on. But Yeah, it's, he's like a distraction. Ooh. Yeah, I love it's how not- they, they show meeting after meeting and they're saying all the same shit because that's meetings. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did have one issue with that character. He does a lot of like jokey comments and there's some double entendre stuff, but none of his punchlines ever really land. Like, no, he's terrible the entire time. I thought that was the point. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's really, the point. Yeah. It, yeah, but it, it's a really unsatisfying character. He, he's like, almost uh, there to ensure that Neo remains like depressed. <laughs> I, I, just, <laughs> I just kept waiting for him to do something funny and like be the comic relief in the movie. But no, like you guys said, he's just always kind of annoying and awful. I, he, so, they were I like, got a kick mission hey, accomplished. We, we wrote this for Jonah Hill, but when we screen tested him, he was too funny. He's too Get funny. Someone else. Yeah. We need someone to be just as grating and annoying as possible. Yeah. 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 I just I, anyway, it was it was a weird um, it was a weird decision. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I didn't have the same feelings as a millennial guy in your office who's really excited but has no good ideas. We need more guns. The Matrix is guns. Bullet time, guns. <laughs> I love that scene. I thought it was yeah. great. And all it's yeah, like a montage of like horrific yeah. meetings to, to White Rabbit. It's so great. It's fine, but at the same time, I like that better when it was the Poochie meeting on The Simpsons in 1995. 
Okay. Well, Neo, of course, is freed and then taken to IO, which is essentially the new Zion, which is overseen by Niobe. A little bit of exposition about Morpheus and what his role was. Um, at the start of the movie, you're sort of meant to think that Neo and Trinity's sacrifice at the end of Revolutions, where they essentially die trying to end the war with the, the machines, uh, failed. But it didn't necessarily fail. Of course, the Matrix is back, but robots probably through greed or whatever, went to war with themselves and their actions did change things. Um, some machines like humans sought a better life, i.e. not enslaving humanity to be used as batteries and not and actually perpetual servitude. Yeah, for me, this is where the movie actually kicks off and starts to happen because mm-hmm. we stop doing the retread and start introducing the new ideas. And some yes, of those yeah. like, you know, hey, we're no longer, it's no longer the humans versus the machines. It's a group of sentients, humans, machines who are trying to find a way to live together and coexist. And they introduced that. Uh, I, I don't know what to call it. I, I heard the guys on uh, Mr. Sunday movies call it Balfius, where it's they they're able to project fake Morpheus into the real world as a bunch of balls, like a bunch of Bucky balls. Yeah, I forgot what that was called, but I really liked I liked how that, they like, that was a cool idea. Yeah. And they and it goes to show yeah. that like new Zion is not like it's better than old Zion. They're, yes, they're yeah. able to grow plants, and because they're working together, the machines help them solve problems that they couldn't, and they help the machines solve problems. And it's actually better that they're collaborating. And for me, I'm like, hey, these are some new ideas, and that's cool because it would have been super easy for them to just do Force Awakens, like we talked about, it, and go, yeah, no, it's back. You know, here. Here's the Empire. Here's <laughs> the Rebels. Star. Yes, exactly. But it's um, bigger. Yeah, Four but they did a, bigger. Yeah, <laughs> but they didn't do that. And this is where a couple of those new ideas start getting added in. I'm oh. just not sure they carried them as far as they could have or maybe should have. Well, what I like <laughs> about this is that Niobe essentially tells Neo, like, hey, we have peace. I've lived through war. We're in peace now. We're doing things here. I am. I have to put you in prison. Like you can't go back. You can't rock the boat because we're making a life here. They actually have more to lose here. Whereas in the original trilogy, they had no choice but to go to war. Like war was coming whether they liked it or not. Whereas here, like if you if he goes out into the world, he goes back to the Matrix. You're inviting conflict that doesn't necessarily exist. So. And he's making sort of a selfish choice, although it, the right one, he's still endangering people who have now sort of been able to subsist on their own and are, and are doing okay. Um, they're making discoveries, they're developing, they're, it's not Zion, which is like at any moment you're, you're looking at the doomsday clock. Yeah, well, I mean, they're clearly, you know, the rebels and that the ragtag rebels in that scenario, they don't really have a footing in the world. Um, and they're every day is a struggle for their survival at that point. This is the part of the movie that, that really confused me, because I'll, I'll be honest, I, I've never seen the third uh, sequel. I've only seen the first two, but I'm aware of it. So there could be some context lost on me. But I was really confused because at this point in the movie, I would expect Neo to side with Niobe and, and try to figure out how to defend IO. And that would be the direction the movie takes. Like, okay, well, how do we fortify? How do we, um, how do we secure a future for IO in this world? 
Well, but that's see. not really the case because right, there's there's an internal conflict where they're like, well, actually, we don't want you to do that. And, you know, like who would like take you off the board? But he's like, yeah, but I've got a boner and no, I've no, got to no. do something about it. See, I so think it's like I, I, I'm trying to figure out the motivations there. But you're misreading the the biggest thing when he is rescued and he's taken out of this amniotic chamber. There's two chambers. Yeah. And right. he knows the other one to be Trinity. He knows there's something more to her. He understands that this, I mean, long story yeah, I know, short, like, I know, the I, one I, is I know, a myth. The, there is no one without the two. So without Trinity, he cannot be Neo. He cannot be the one without the power of love. And as corny as that may be, like, I understand where that's coming from in the context of. Uh, agree, agree. I, uh, I just like, uh, I get know. what the movie's doing there, but I, I was kind of like, well, man, this seems like to Captain Cash's point. I thought the more interesting angle was, hey, how do we, what's but the then, future? But then you of are the, just doing the same movie. Uh, yeah, but I think it's an interesting idea that like the solution to the world's problems was actually working together with the machines, working together with the others, realizing that, hey, we're not really that but, different. But like, that is a part of positive like, message. There. That becomes yeah. part of the whole thing. Because of course, Neo is going to go back in to save Trinity. There's a chunk load of other exposition. A lot of cool action too. Um, some of that exposition includes Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst. Yeah, uh, he was also one of my favorite parts of the movie. I really like him in this movie. And uh, you know what it all boils down to is before Neo's able to escape him, like he makes it pretty clear, like you know you're you're not going to be able to leave here because as long as I have her, you'll always come back. I own you, and I can do whatever I want here, and this, that, and the other thing. And nobody else wants to leave here because life is perfect here. And this is some of the most poignant commentary in the movie because he talks a lot about like, you know, people don't want to hear what's right. They want to hear what they feel they, they like. They don't care like mm. that this life is fake because they, they enjoy this more than they would enjoy reality. Yeah. It says a lot about like online ecosystems and the way people migrate towards information that fits their preconceived notions. And like, and I appreciate that, but I feel like all the complaints that this is, this film lodges against current internet culture is all stuff I heard eight years ago on YouTube. Like it's not bad and it's not wrong. It's just done better a bunch of other places. Like at the end of the day, I think the problem with this movie is the message is so muddled and the way in which it is delivered is also not entirely clear like definitely there are parts where they rail against you know hey this is how you know entertainment gets made whether it's video games or movies and you got the obnoxious pitch meeting and the guy who can only talk in buzzwords and you've got the merovingian complaining about oh it has to be you know the internet before it was your internet was better but like what what's the theme of the movie what's the overall what's the movie trying to tell you with any of this and i'm not sure well being nice to each other is a big part of it working together uh, a commonality of human spirit coming together but not even human i'd say yeah but let me just say this i think one of the things that's not satisfying about this movie's story is that i understand the concept we have here with this hey people want to be subjugated you get the loki speech from avengers right and, you know, and we all understand that's not true. We want to stand up and fight, you know, but there are some people that get fall into that trap, you know, you know, they're, you know, they're the people that are asleep and haven't taken the red pill yet, but this is exactly what we went through in the first movie. And I thought we got a much 
clear example of a character with that conflict falling on the side of the matrix and, and Joey Pants's character. Like well, you had yeah, the turncoat. It was, so, so, so I'm just saying like, we've been over this ground before. Nothing that Neil Patrick Harris is telling us is anything really different than what we learned in the first matrix movie. Effectively, you know, how the machines continue to control and the whole point of the matrix, you know, in general is, is subjugation and just keep us passivated like that, that, allegory still holds then we still get it but i just thought they did a better job of making it feel real and visceral in that first movie here it's literally just an exposition dump they tell uh, us that people like it it's like yeah okay i mean we the get first that. movie Stakes. is Stakes. a lot of exposition i just rewatched it like a week and a half ago i don't think there's any more exposition in that one versus this one i won't argue that that movie is doing what it wants to do better than this one but sure. that movie is also okay. one of the most groundbreaking uh, science fiction movies ever made. Whereas this is, I think, accomplishing something a little bit more difficult while at the same time not doing its primary goal better. Because it is, in my eyes, redeeming two sequels that were not particularly good and totally muddled the message of the first movie and got yeah. way off the rails. And then all of a sudden here, I'm like, oh, you know what? Those are better in my eyes now because this happened. That's fair. Um, but anyways... So really, the analyst gives him a, a deal. Trinity chooses to go with you despite all of these things I'm going to throw at her to tempt her into remaining within the Matrix, such as her husband, Chad, played by Chad Stelhesky, uh, director of the John Wick movies and Keanu Reeves' stunt double from the original Matrix. Then he'll Tiffany and Chad. Yeah, of course, he's Got a real Chad. And then we get this huge finale through the streets, motorcycle chases the horde which is basically they're they're in place of the agents but not really they're they're more of another fail safe where the analyst can just deploy everyone living within the matrix as like mindless drones which again has a lot to say about online behaviors because they're called bots and the way yeah. people behave and the way they yeah. attack without reason it's a manifestation which, of mob yeah. mentality online um, mob mentality but and you know it reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead. That too. You know, and, and what it's, is Dawn it's commentary of the Dead on consumerism. Yeah. Um, and the reason I found this, this particular action scene to be so affecting is because at one point, the bots are literally just jumping from skyscraper buildings and, and basically suicide bombing to try and yeah. kill um, the crew uh, and, and Trinity and Neo as they're, as they're fleeing. It's, and that's it's when really I expected... Kind of a, a visceral image like to watch these people just yeah. willingly jumping to their doom mm -hmm. i was waiting for mark Wahlberg to show up and look confused because i'm like hey look it's the happening yeah my answer it's so the, it's the plants it all culminates with this helicopter fight atop a building and they jump off the building and as they're embracing neo by the way there's kind of a funny joke like can you still fly and he's like nope not gonna happen <laughs> And then she's holding him and they, they fly off. And of course they win. Um, basically their bond, powerful, enduring, not only could power the new matrix single-handedly, but it also bend it to their will. The movie ends. There is an after credit scene about the game designers joking about making the Catrix, which is a cat based matrix game, which, 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 which is actually coming out. It's called uh, uh, big city, little kitty. Um, yeah. So I thought but, this no, anyway. movie was phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I did not expect to enjoy this movie. I'm not like a huge Matrix fan. 
So if we're talking like how many beers are required, it's two and a half hours. So three enjoyment beers, high enjoyment beers for me. Uh, but you don't really need to drink this. But I thought this movie was great. I thought it was very well written. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was beautiful to look at. I was pretty satisfied. Like I did not think after 18 years, I would give one shit about the matrix. And I loved it. Chubzilla. It was better than I expected, but I, yeah, it just didn't really floor me. Um, I give it four beers to enjoyment because I did get the member berries watching the, the, the opening of it. And I was kind of intrigued what they were setting up. But then the messaging uh, kind of lost me towards the end. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's just a lot of stuff that didn't hit for me. I didn't get it. I'm like, I see what they're trying to do, but I'm not really feeling it. I didn't feel attached to the characters at the end. I didn't understand uh, why Carrie Ann Moss's Trinity. I, I don't understand why she decided to pull herself out. I, it, I get it. There was some sort of like she sort of knew she was more than what she thought kind of but the movie doesn't really do a good job of setting that up in a way that's satisfying and the thing with the flying at the end i mean to me the movie just kind of like zip 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 zap and we're done bang we flew and the movie's over so yeah two two enjoyment beers and then two more just to kind of get through that second half for me it just again it just wasn't as satisfying but um i think it was again you could tell it was the movie that Lana Wachowski wanted to make it told the story she wanted to tell and it sets it up if they want to do another one they've got a good cliffhanger so I mean we'll see but I don't know if they're going to get another chance I think anyway. this is the end it's it's, it's a nice but we'll see it's, a, it's better than the third one I've seen parts of the third one never seen the whole thing yeah. never set through it but it's definitely better than that it's better than what I've read about it to your point just to keep talking on here for a second I do think it's a nice coda to the to the franchise Okay, Captain Cash, how many beers? It's probably a four-beer movie for me with the caveat that you drink the first two immediately to power through Act 1. Act 2 is kind of fun, and you have the two fun beers there. And for me, this kind of falls apart at the end where it's like, hey, we're going to remake The Matrix as the one, and they fly off exactly like how the first movie ends. And I'm like, that's not satisfying yeah yeah it's just so much more satisfying than three where it's just like darkness death yeah sacrifice over everyone's and, dead and, and tons of g and tons of jesus imagery yeah, yeah i have God. questions about that <laughs> neo is jesus he's been crucified by the yeah. robots yeah yeah and, and, and i've got questions about the significance of him being resurrected by the machines too because i mean that's kind of also a spoiler right i mean i don't know if we really covered that in the plot but yeah no i mean the machines alive so yeah but didn't they recreate him like wasn't it the whole point they there's resurrection pods didn't they like regrow neo and yes and they trinity because they, they regrew them even, yeah, because even the machines recognize that that they are a like a mating pair and that there's extra energy by having them under their control like there's again they were again they were both special and the machines seemed to know it and they were using them to enhance their ability to control people is that is that yes. a thing that was uh -huh. going on yeah even, even that for me right there i was like i i don't even care that's okay. yeah stop me stop me if i'm wrong here i thought the deal was that keeping them together but not like keeping them close but not together allowed them to better power the matrix like they were the ultimate battery 
which is why they could afford to do the swarm and just murder folks willy nilly. Uh, and again, and I hate to get into and it. Generally, it later, the swarms but... probably didn't result in thousands of deaths because they would overpower most people. <laughs> not, yeah, not in well, this case, but yeah. So, so basically, you know, the Hancock rules apply here. No, but in that reverse, movie, that movie sucks. Uh, <laughs> but, but you got to keep the in that one. You had to keep the superheroes apart, or yeah. they or they got or sick. they wouldn't have powers, one, Yeah, yeah. It's just like I'm like yeah. what. Who made, wait, when did that rule come into effect? But they kind of yada yada right over that. It's like, I doesn't even make sense. Okay. Okay. On. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll hear from our brothers in beer over at Hop Nation USA. And when we come back, we'll talk about some lingering questions we have for the Matrix Resurrections. Hey, everyone. This is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 140th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment and the premiere of season four. We are talking 2021's The Matrix Resurrection. So I do have some lingering questions about this movie. The first being, in a perfect world, what would the long-awaited Matrix sequel would have looked like for you uh, or maybe a reboot? So Captain Cash, since this was building on your question, why don't you go first? Yeah, so like, I, I don't know. Because for me, I, I really liked the first Matrix. And then I saw the second one in theaters. And when the third one rolled around the next, was it the same year or the next year? I know that it was like real close together. So that year, 2003, was what WB labeled the year of the Matrix. So That's there right. Was the Animatrix. Uh, Reloaded came out in May. And I think Revolutions came out in November. December. Uh, but there's also the video game it was really weird because you're almost required to like consume all of this to have any semblance of an idea of what the hell was happening in the movies yeah which i most certainly did not (laughs) yeah so like i saw reloaded and i was like i don't i think i'm good here i don't need i don't need to see the third one i I later went back and watched it and it's fine but I don't have a lot of like the nostalgia for the property that I have for some others. So I honestly, like I understand Lana Wachowski wanting to come back and, you know, Hey, this was my baby. If anyone is going to do the matrix, it's going to be me. We're going to bring back Keanu. We're going to bring back Carrie Moss, et cetera. So I understand that impulse, but there's a little bit of me where I just, you can do literally anything with the matrix you could set it at any time any iteration of the matrix with any set of characters you don't have to rely on the nostalgia to do this you could create a whole thing but instead they sort of half recreate the first movie and then tease a bunch of better ideas somewhere else like the the next war like the the war between the machines where humanity realizes they have to work with the machines. That would have been an interesting movie, right? I, I don't know what the perfect Matrix reboot is, but I know it ain't this. Okay. Uh, I'm totally opposite. I, I would either have never made another one again, uh, or I think this one was 
the perfect way to do it. I think it it flipped the thing on its head just enough. And of course it brought back Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss because I really don't think I'd want to see something about the Matrix without them. And so it was able to reinvent it enough that it was interesting and fresh. And I was excited to see the characters back. And that wasn't an easy task. Uh, otherwise, I just never would have went back to it. Because um, when we get to our next question, uh, we'll talk about that. So, Chumzilla, what do you think? Well, you know, this is a two-parter for me. I think originally the sequel I wanted to see for The Matrix after Reloaded was I wanted to see you know Neo make good on his ultimate, you know, promise of being the one and having some sort of like triumphant like victory where he either defeats the uh, machines from the outside or he defeats them from the inside effectively and he frees the world's population. And then we get, we kind of get hints of what this movie gives us where they have to start over again and reclaim the planet. You know, you know, you see like all the machines crashing and blah, and then the humans wake up from their pods and they have to rebuild society. Now he has to be the leader of men to reclaim the planet. Uh, but this movie, you know, gave us, things that I hadn't really considered and and didn't do a ton with them, but they introduced some very interesting ideas. One, that they now work together with the machines. So that's another you know way that they could craft a solution for their world that, hey, we don't have to outright defeat them. We just have to form this alliance and maybe just defeat the minority of the machines that don't want to go along with this and, and form a better world that way. Uh, or just go into that conflict. If you look at it, get, you know, almost like a, uh, uh, another trilogy okay so the next movie let's have that future war let's have more of that machine on machine war uh that they tease us with we get some of that in the third one but i think i think they do a better job of setting up and presenting it in a more interesting way in this movie so i mean you know if they if they do get a chance to do another one i think they've got some interesting ideas they could uh, expand on that's always been the problem with the matrix in general is that you know like terminator we talked about on both podcasts they've never really were able to film or or create the future world in an interesting enough way they just kept going back to the well which is oh something's going to the past and the future war stuff like the stuff outside of the matrix in these movies has always been the least interesting except for in this one where i think they actually did something with it a little bit but like just watching the sentinels rain the pain on a bunch of guys in mech suits like wasn't yeah that wasn't visually great. interesting no to me. It, it looked bad too. Yeah. Uh, so, are you surprised it flopped? I think we're all probably a no here. I'm just not sure where this IP was at 18 years later. That, you know, 1999. This was the biggest. This was huge. Everybody, yeah. loved, everybody loved this. The the Matrix changed the way cinema worked in the same way that like the Avengers changed the way cinema worked for the following decade. So did the Matrix. Like it, you cannot overstate how influential that first movie was. And unfortunately, everything since then has just not been very good. Like it hasn't all been terrible and it's had a couple cool things, but the Matrix never got its T2. No, and I think Revolutions being as bad as it was, or at least as bad as I remember being, diluted this series' value dramatically. To go from making 700 plus million with Reloaded, which wasn't well received, to going back to making, I think, less than the original, 
Like, uh, two decades later, that's pretty brutal. So like the first one made 400 plus, second one made 700 plus. And this was the year of the matrix, as I said. And then the third one made 400 plus. So that's $300 million less six months after the last one. Like they're thinking this was going to be huge and they kind of land with a thud. So 18 years later, is everyone like, oh, where's the story going to go now? Or people just forget about it because people still write and talk about the first movie. That's a thing. But nobody yeah. talks about the sequels to this movie. Yeah. Here's my question for, for the panel here then. You have two options, a red pill and a blue pill. You take the red pill. This is how the Matrix, I guess, quadrilogy ends. You take the blue pill. You erase everything after the Matrix. Which pill are you taking? Because I think this one redeemed the the way the third one ends in a way and and some of the other stuff i'd take the red pill well i mean but listen it wouldn't have to redeem anything it could all just be back to normal i love keanu so much i was really excited to see old keanu back as neo so i'd like to still be john wick that doesn't go away yeah i liked i i like this enough to suffer the existence of the other two that i don't necessarily like okay fair enough (laughs) All right, Chumzilla, what about you? Red pill, blue pill, erase them all other than just the Matrix. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, send me back to 1999 right now. Boom, done. Kind of the same. Probably wouldn't have had sequels if it wasn't such a smash hit. Like, I mean, it was designed not to. It was, it ends the way Highlander ended. It's it's over. The story is now over. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so best action scene of this movie. This may be split, but what do you think, Chumzilla? That's tough. You know, I I got torched for this on the text string earlier. I'm not a big fan of the action in this movie. None of it stands out, even in my opinion, to some of the stuff we get in the second, you know, in Reloaded. Well, Reloaded's got some very, very good action amongst all the nonsense. The highway scene in in Reloaded is incredible and holds it. And it sets the bar super high. Like, that's the one thing that that movie did right. I think that's it's what's most memorable about that <clears throat> most memorable about that movie. And the thing we still talk about, it did have some really interesting visuals and it did have some bonker, you know, bonkers, big set pieces that were done with a ton of practical work as well as the CGI, you know? So there was definitely CGI enhancements on this stuff. And they definitely course, expanded yeah. on that from the first one. You know, the first one had a ton of practical stuff and a lot of interesting camera and, and wire work. Right. But anyway, so I mean, this movie felt smaller in the action and a lot of stuff. Like the office shootout to me seems like, hey, we've seen that before. It wasn't as good as the office shootout in the first uh, Matrix, which was basically just ripped off of Ghost in the Shell. And then the car chase at the end with the swarm was not as good as the car chase we've gotten in Reloaded. And then that train scene did nothing for me. Um, the helicopter thing even felt a little weird because it just felt really, it didn't feel, personal it just felt like you know you see neo force pushing a lot of stuff around like the action for this did not hit for me yeah i just it's kind of blah for me across the board so sorry to be the wet blanket here sorry sorry Uh, no i mean i i I kind of agree because like and, and as i was watching this i was counting the seconds in between the cuts during the fight scenes and the most you got was like two seconds and it just it's very choppy and it's very obvious that they did not get the same fight choreographer back. If I had to pick something, 
I guess I picked the train scene. But even then, this movie, it the, the things that worked about this movie for me were not the action. And I think if it had been, I'd have had a much better opinion because The Matrix is sort of synonymous with real-life superhuman kung fu. And this was not. It was a lot more Dragon Ball. Like, at one point, he literally, like, spirit bomb! It's like, okay. Oh, right, fine. You guys are curmudgeons. Uh, well, no, I think I, it's fair to say, though, this movie does not have a signature set piece like the two good Matrix movies have. Well, it's got a lot I, of I disagree. Don't get me wrong. The, and the, I think the, the roof end of this thing movie at the end is incredible. And the roof thing at the end was a practical stunt. Yep. And that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think they just, it didn't feel as cool. Well, as we've it also, been. again, you've seen it all before. So, how I, yeah. I, I would agree, the action is not as crisp. There is some cuts. The camera work's not nearly as bad as other stuff we've done recently on the pod, like Snake Eyes, for example. But it can be a little quick. But this movie lets Henwick cook enough. She's a badass. She was the only badass part of Iron Fist, too. And she rules in this movie. I feel so bad for Jessica Henwick because I am sure, based on her tracker record, there is some kind of like monkey's paw wish, evil curse, I don't know what, where... She is routinely the best part of what she's doing, but whatever she's doing is always ultimately poorly received. Game of Thrones, Iron Fist, and this. And I'm just like, oh, Hanwick, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're, you deserve so much better. So that brings up a good question since we're talking about her. Uh, she had a choice between a role in Shang-Chi and this. She chose this for a number of different reasons, but one of them being she wanted... She didn't want to erase the opportunity for Colleen Wing to return one day in, in a Marvel property such mm. as Matt Murdock and uh, another guy from those shows just did. I don't want to spoil it. Um, <laughs> but I think she chose wisely because I think in Shang-Chi, I don't know who she would have been, but so right. many of those side characters are inconsequential and lame. And in this movie, she really shines. I think yeah. she's she's a very strong powerful female character in this movie and i'm not sure what she was going to be in shang chi but for fear of being one of the dopey sidekicks that the marvel movies do i would say hell no to that. yeah because let's just be honest in shang chi the only person guaranteed to make it out of that movie is the lead uh, you know feige could axe any of those other side characters moving well, forward you could any wind up being like a fan role like, well, you can't make it. We'll just recast you. And then we'll I mean, kill you. And then kill you. <laughs> and then yeah. kill you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So things with Fandral, it was always supposed to be Zach Levi, but he couldn't do it because of Chuck. Then they brought him back and then, yeah, prom- promptly killed him. But second thing, Sima Lu is really good in Shang-Chi. So I guess, I mean, I guess the question is, what is, what was Henwick's role supposed to be? Yeah, that's supposed know. to be a cameo yeah. or if, like I think it was, an, it was an actual part. I mean, unless you're the sister and maybe that was it. Yeah, there's no other real good roles in that movie. So. Yeah, if she w- so I guess the options are if she was Katie, the Aquafina character or Jai Ling, the, the sister character, then OK, maybe you can have an argument of maybe you should have gone with that. But any other character, she's basically the third lead in this movie and it is a matrix movie so i get why you'd make that choice yeah i think 
if you're presented with the two options, there's going to be other Marvel opportunities down the road. I think there's, they're making a lot of movies. This seems like a once in a lifetime shot to work with a visionary director who's back at this franchise that defines their career. I go with this like for certain because Marvel's like, they know she's talented. They've seen what she can do. She was in one of their properties and was the best part of that property. Yeah. And apparently was the hardest worker too. Apparently she put in the time to like learn the Corey like again. Yeah, no, she's you, you can't not say good things about Henwick. You she, can't. She's uh, great. She really tried her damnedest to make that show watchable and she was very watchable in it. I've heard uh, the total opposite about her <laughs> co-star. Uh, the titular Iron Fist. Not the hardest of workers and diligent behind Oof. the scenes to you know. Oof. Whatever. Yeah. Rumors be rumors, but woof, I hope they're not true. Yeah. So a couple of quick questions about some of the cool things this movie does. Uh, Salient ideas. What do you think rang the most true for you, Chumpzilla? You know, I really, again, I enjoyed the fact that the ultimate, uh, you know, victory effectively was achieved by learning to work together. To me, that's subverting the expectations. The whole franchise has been built on this conflict and sacrifice, but in the end, you know, compromise is the real solution and, and true compromise, you know, working together, collaboration. I, I think that's probably a better term. I think compromise has become a dirty word in the uh, modern American politics. But no, a true collaboration between these people that basically have a shared interest. They have their differences. They, have, they, have, uh, they look different. They technically need different things. But ultimately, everyone's doing better when we're all doing better. And the way to achieve that is working together, uh, you know, on a shared goal. So uh, that was really interesting. And, and the fact that the characters, the leader character in the movie understood that and wanted to protect it and wanted to potentially sacrifice a win to say, you know, we don't need to win this. We just need to continue on the path we're on and working to a more perfect union. That was a pretty good message. Now, I'm reading a lot into that, um, but I, I would think that's something they could well, expand on yeah. if they were going to do a sequel. I think that's the beauty of The Matrix in general is that it's open for interpretation. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, I, from what I understand, and I, I don't particularly read a lot about the, the Matrix, but I guess it was co-opted by some nutbags. Oh, I, I recall Elon Musk and... Uh, one of the dipshits. Well, I mean, that's the kids. whole red pill thing, the right? Red pill, blue pill, and, and Lily would Yeah, I mean, the whole all right insanity with the yeah. red pill stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. And the, and the, yeah, I mean, because I, I think that's it is, it is dangerous because when you have one group of people that want to co opt that symbolism and say, like, oh, we're waking people up from their slumber, it's like, yeah i mean that's the whole thing with propaganda you don't know you're being fed it until it's yeah. too late kind and, of thing and uh well it's, it's like when we talked about they live and that was trying to be co-opted yeah, the glasses well, are the they're, pill there you they're know, both yeah. they're both most explicitly anti-fascist films right but you know but the fascists are like yeah but they're the real fascists wake up and see our way of thinking it's like okay hold on fellas well <laughs> you know and i think for me that's what's the most salient idea which i mean it's been done a million times over but just uh there's a quote in here from neil patrick harris uh, you know people want to be sheep they they want to be fed what you feed them 
and I have the whole quote at the end of the end of the podcast. It's the closing quote, but you know, and they directly reference social media companies on a, a number of occasions in the movie. And that sort of is, it's a, we're living in a pretty dark and dangerous time where people are more Again. willing to believe something they read from some person. They have no clue if it's an actual human being than they are to believe the advice of someone yeah. who's actually educated and practiced and whatever. So, so here's my only real gripe on that one. That was a big tell, not a show. I think it would have been more effective if the matrix had just come out as some sort of like mobile game and was taking over people's lives. And you were seeing evidence of people in the streets on their phones or some app they're interacting with. Like I get the message and they deliver it, but it's like wholly as exposition. It's just a concept. We're well, all familiar I, I with think it. the bots are that visual. Yeah. But that's, you get one scene with them at the end. I, I don't, again, it's just like you, I think one of the cool things about They Live is that you get to see it, you know, when the glasses come on and you get to see all those reveals out in public. You, the message is driven home visually in a way this movie doesn't really do. The guy's eyes turn green and they start jumping out of buildings. But don't don't okay. you think uh, Keanu's therapy sessions are also a bit of that? Like, oh, he, absolutely. Knows, he knows he's yeah. not insane, but he's basically being convinced that he is insane and medicated in submission. Yeah, I've seen Equilibrium too. Yeah. And, well, and the part That's that just frustrates me there is it plays like <laughs> it plays as though we're not supposed to be sure whether it's happening or not either. And it's like, no, we know. We know what the Matrix is. That's why we're all here. You don't have to do that again. But I, I didn't really take it like that, but I could see that. Um, oh, hey, I, I'll say here again I was confused by this movie. I'm not confused by the concepts it was using. Well, and it's the probably because it was trying you to sent give us a hundred text messages while watching this. Yes. <laughs> That's but, probably why you were so confused. I, I just don't think that they ever focused enough on any one of these angles to really drive it home. And that's why the ending's not satisfying for me. I agree with Captain Cash 100%. I thought they were trying to set us up with the misdirect there. But, you know, here's something I, I'm going to point it out now. It was very clear to me visually that Neil Patrick Harris was trying to keep Neo asleep because his glasses, the frames, were blue. He was the embodiment of the blue pill. Yep. But then Bugs has blue hair too when she's in the Matrix. So I, is that camouflage? Like I thought the use of that blue color was it was not super clever, but it was effective because if you, you pick up on it, you're like, oh, hey, that's a, hey, I know what's going on here. Because we all know Neo's Neo. I mean, that's no secret. But that was just interesting that, you know, they gave you, maybe they give us some more visual clues to show that Neo's trapped in a they're, prison and these they're blue, all, the blue was yeah. that color. They're all, but, there are clues throughout the film, such as him sure. looking, you know, in one side of the mirror, he looks different. It happens with uh, Trinity as well. It happens when it looks like he's Jeffrey Bezos just, prior to attempting suicide when he freezes midair. And that's when she realizes like something is amiss here. And that's the one. Yeah. So, so I've got, re I got real big questions about that scene because that's pivotal. So there, my first issue I brought up was this whole mating pair and even the machines know they need them together for their powers, whatever. And obviously they don't have Neo completely controlled because he kind of breaks out for a second and, either he's trying to kill himself or he's trying to fly not really clear not really sure could be either 
probably kill himself. I don't know. He's going to fly. Yeah. He's or something he's trying to, his reality is being distorted. The, the, the fictional reality where he is, this video game designer is merging with his actual reality of where he was Neo within the matrix. Mm-hmm. And he was able to do all these amazing things. Yep. And then you've got bugs as a window washer in the matrix witnessing yeah. that. And that's her awakening. I well, she sees like him for what he truly is. Right. Yep. Which, why would that be your thing where you went, Oh, well, I'm living in a, I thought well, a guy looked it, like another guy, it, but it wasn't that guy. Well, Cause he well, freezes because, midair. Yeah. So and just stops so what you and didn't, starts bugging out. And she's like, what the hell is that about? Yeah. What you didn't see captain cash is there's a deleted scene where you see her pushing her window washing brush with the force. She's the, oh, she's the force kid. Up. So okay. she's force sense. She's force sensitive. So that somehow wakes her up. They don't explain it. That's a, again okay. another big in, problem. No, this, come on, no, in this world, that, it's it's she's the one sensitive. She's one. one sensitive. She's the one. So here's my. You know, frankly, though, I think we're all Keanu Reeves sensitive. So that's. I mean, if I saw Keanu Reeves floating, that would probably do it for me too. Oh yeah, that's fair. You know, Jeffrey yeah, no, Bezos. This, no, this is all Keanu a lie. He, he looks yeah. just like Jeffrey Bezos in that scene. Yeah. I wonder if it's. So, but yeah, so, no way so here's my re- no, but I mean, I you have another fire, question right? about this. Well, no, this is this is a big issue for me because these are pivotal parts of the movie. Why why the machines would basically create their own doomsday device? One, two, why they can't seem to control it even in their system. So they should be extra worried about it. Then, like, huh, uh, this guy's going to be a problem. Pretty well controlled. Well, but he's waking people up. And secondly, even he's after not waking he, people up. He enlightened her, but there were still well, people on the outside who were living. Yeah. Niobe, for example, who developed exactly, the entire exactly. city. So. so, yeah, no, some of my point is so they, they, they've been controlling the guy. Now he's causing problems. Now he breaks out. Their security does not seem to be all that great. Like their reaction to him escaping, like they don't do anything to make sure he doesn't come back for uh, Trinity. Well, they like, set a they, trap for him. What are you talking about? Well, I kind they set multiple of, traps. You're quite, these are ridiculous. It's a movie. It's a movie about a guy in a in a fictional reality that can fly. Come on. Once Lex Luthor was done with gentrification, I think you probably would have done a better job trying to stop Neil. That's all I'm saying. No, Lex Luthor these ran out of gasoline do, for Pete's sake. <laughs> these machines do not seem to be uh, bringing their villain A game. I mean, the scariest avatar they could come up with was Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, to be fair, he is very threatening if you let him be. Well, he's not supposed to be threatening. He's his fucking therapist. Anyways, uh, how would you rank these movies? This should be very simple. One, four, two, three. Done. That's how they're ranked. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Just flop two and four. One, two, four, three. No, the re- yeah, no, I'm I'm there. One, two, four, three. All right, fine. Okay, two two's more fun. Two, I'm not saying it's necessarily a better story, but it's more fun. Two is fun until the end where the guy's like a human thesaurus and he won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> the the architect yeah. gives you 10 to 15 minutes of just here's dialogue at the end of your kung fu movie. Yeah. Uh, Let okay. me just talk. And I look like uh, <laughs> I look like the Dosecki's guy sitting in a chair. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is kind of a that's kind of a bummer. I, I will say that movie doesn't end super strong. That's fair. No, okay. Let's take a quick break. We're going to hear from our wrestling buddies at the Double Turn Podcast, and when we come back, we've got the Red Pill Trivia Challenge hosted by Chumzilla. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to our 140th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are on to the Red Pill Trivia Challenge, and Chumzilla, take us away. All right, gentlemen. <clears throat> Tonight we have the standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and you'll be playing for a pint of authentic goo from Neo's Resurrection Pod. Mmm, goo. That's, That's good goo. goo. That is good That's goo. goo. <laughs> hey, and tonight's chimes are I still know Kung Fu or Tiffany. <laughs> along with any of the pod standards. I hate that name. <laughs> All right, well, hey, good luck, gentlemen. And remember, there is no spoon. Question number one. This movie, just like the recently released Carnage 2 and Shang-Chi, filmed several scenes in San Francisco. How much does the San Fran PD charge for the privilege of shooting on their streets? Is it A, nothing, B, $100,000, C, $420,000, or D, a cool half million? I still know Kung, Kung Fu. That is the Thunderous Wizard. $420,000. That is correct, sir, and that seems like highway robbery. Uh, is that like a 420 thing because it's California? I, I read about it. I think they did some damage too. So, and people were pissed uh, about the the shooting schedules, etc. So I, maybe it was it was jacked up a little bit because of the damage. They were mad about Shang Chi as well, I guess. Yeah, uh, to me, it sounds like it's overtime for the additional security. That's my guess. Probably, yeah. That's I think that's what it is. It's just the city trying to recoup some of their funds, but that seems pretty rich. Like, hey, keep it up and we'll just go shoot it in Atlanta. That's all I'm saying. All right. Wait, that's one point for the Thunder's Wizard. And that brings us to question number two. The Matrix 4 was filmed under a code name. What was the dummy film called? Was it A, The White Rabbit? B, Project Ice Cream? C, Spoon? Or D, My Own Private Idaho 2, Iowa? Follow the White Rabbit. Thunderous Wizard. Project Ice Cream. Wow. You are two for two, sir, and taking a commanding lead here. Congratulations. I'm getting blown Captain out of the water. Cash. It's all right. You got three questions left. You can still pull this off. Listen, I am the one. All right. Next question. Uh, the director had hoped to shoot some of the film in her hometown, which would have been a first for the film series, but that idea was scrapped thanks to budget concerns. Which of these cities... Is Lana's beloved hometown? Is it A, Chicago, B, Detroit, C, Vancouver, BC, or D, Seattle? Uh, bolt up, bolt up. I know Kung Fu. I'm like, going to give that to Captain Cash because he I came in with in. the correct chime in. No, well, it well, doesn't matter. Mm, we never no. use the chime ins. No, I'm not playing prison rules tonight, Captain Cash. It's got to be What's Seattle. All the, other, oh. all the other places. It's not Seattle. I, it's I, Chicago, it's, it's, you asshole. That's why I was saying double, <laughs> double, double. Oh, 
Like I just all I heard was gibberish out of you because I was trying to answer quickly. Yeah. No. Wow. Okay. Now you got the steal there, T Dubs. Well, you've just wrapped this thing up. That is a three point lead, but we'll finish the last two questions here just for pride, Captain Cash. Yeah, congratulations on your goo there, Thunderous Wizard. I'll get that right in the mail. I'm assuming FedEx will be cool with that. Okay, question number four. As we've mentioned, the role of Morpheus was recast for reasons only the director knows. Which of these pod favorite actors was originally considered for the role? Was it A, Michael Caine, B, Liam Neeson, C, Nick Cage, or D, Gary Oldman? I still know Kung Fu. That is Captain Cash. Liam Neeson. That would have been an interesting choice, but I'm afraid that is incorrect. Thunderous Wizard, can you steal? Uh, I still know Kung Fu. It better be Nicolas Cage. (laughs) That would have been epic. But no, apparently it was Gary Oldman. Eh. I don't like that choice. I'm glad. I I want to live in a world. Morpheus, right? Morpheus, yeah. I want to live in a world where Michael Caine looks at you and he goes, Neo. Will you take the red pill and stay in Wonderland? Will you take the blue pill? Go back home. Believe whatever you got to believe. Because I'm like, okay. Yeah, for that question, I really just wanted to do actors that had played uh, uh, Alfred, but uh, I ran out of steam. But um, Oh, no, Gary Oldman didn't play Alfred. He played... Uh, Commissioner Gordon. You could have gone Batman Gordon. people. Yeah, Batman people, yeah. You have to let go, Neo. Let go of all yeah. fear, of all doubt, all disbelief. But, uh, yeah, I think Nick Cage definitely belongs in the Matrix universe. They, they got to get him worked in there somehow. I want Sorry. a universe where everyone is Nicholas, or I want a Matrix where everyone is Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Some men just don't want, just want to watch the Matrix bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. And finally, question number five. The Matrix movies are known for their memorable costumes, including many characters' signature sunglasses. How many custom pairs of eyewear were created for Resurrections? Oh, my God. This is probably the funnest fact I found about the movie. Uh, Was it A, 75 pairs, B, 140 pairs, C, 200 pairs, or D, over 330 pairs of custom glasses? I still know Kung Fu. I still know Kung Fu. It's got to be over 300. That, there are just so many goofy glasses in this. <laughs> they really are, but no, no, I'm afraid uh, that is not the correct answer. Man. T-dubs, want to take a stab? Uh, I still know Kung Fu. I'll go with the 200 number. 200, that is correct. That is the correct answer. Uh, yeah, apparently the, uh, the costume department had some uh, British eyewear maker come up with 200 custom frames. So... Seems a little excessive to me, but whatever. <laughs> you know, right. Hey, when you're spending $190 million, I guess you get some custom glasses out of the deal. I wonder where those custom glasses are now. Uh, fun fact. Uh, apparently, some of them are available, not the ones in the movie, but I think they have some like you know regular production versions available on the guy's website. So you know, Google it. Um, apparently, this guy is actually selling some of the glasses from the movie, like they're mass producing them. So. Nice. Uh, now, see, do I that, want any of them though? Hmm. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris's glasses were cool. The blue ones. Those, Those are, are cool. kind of cool. Henwick wears. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of the the round blue glasses that both Morpheus and Henwick wear at points. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing, though. Like, this is how you know we're not in the '90s anymore. 
if this movie had come out in the 90s, those glasses would have come with like a combo meal at Burger King, just like the the Wild Wild West glasses did. <laughs> True. Oh, did you know the alternate title for this movie? The Matrix, oh. How I Met Your Avatar. <laughs> I would have accepted The Matrix rebooted. The Matrix, Train to Boone's Farm. Yeah, there is a little bit of Train to Busan in that crane scene uh so let's get on to recommendations for this week uh, what do you guys have on tap captain cash uh well yesterday i was a guest on the push your glasses up pod uh it's a group of folks that we met over at uh, comic con geez back six years ago now they're a fun podcast they talk all kind of nerdy stuff um it's not specific to to movies it's tv shows and stuff like that so um mikey the guy the host the guy who runs the show over there uh, he and I talked Hawkeye. So if you want to check that out, push your glasses up. P-Y-G-U. I think if you if you at P-Y-G-U, you can find them pretty easy. Yeah, we'll share it on Twitter as well. I retweeted it uh, earlier today. Captain Cash in full Hawkeye garb from the yeah. Matt Fraction series. I really love those comics. It was They were super good. Shumzilla, what do you have on tap? Uh... Well, I've got a, a timely uh, recommendation this week. Uh, go check out uh, some old episodes of Golden Girls. Oh, Thank you man, for being yeah. a friend. Yep. Rip Betty White. Um, and I was kind of bummed because I had a really good idea for a beer this week. And then I went to go look for it and I realized it had been discontinued. But the guys over at Red Hair, they actually had a Betty White stout uh, a couple years back. Oh, and man. It, yeah, it was a white stout, and the can art's great, so I'll post that to the socials. Um, and it was it was pretty like, pretty good beer uh, too, but uh, I think they discontinued it. Maybe they'll bring it back now. So if, if it does come back, I'll be sure to get it on the pod. But yeah, go Google it. You can find them streaming somewhere. Go watch some Golden Girls. That show um, was very progressive for its time, and some of the morals still hold up really well. Uh, there's a great episode with Don Cheadle where they just like tackle the confederacy in modern american culture at the time and uh you know a little bit of the historic systematic racism head on which is not what you expect out of the golden girls but they give it to you and they tackle it head on it's good stuff so yeah all right Rick betty yeah. white go check out some golden girls and don Cheadle did tweet out something very nice about uh betty white how she was such an incredibly kind and awesome person uh, i have a couple nostalgia infused recommendations one book of boba fett just came out i love that character uh, i was pretty underwhelmed with the first episode so i'm hoping it kind Oof. of picks up uh, it was fine yeah it was very <laughs> fine you know what i'm starting to think guys now bear with me here robert rodriguez <clears throat> might be a hack he's lost his oh mojo, no man does that action scene sucked it was i mean i'm just you want to talk about bad action scenes that one in in, in the town ta square where they're yeah. surrounding him and they're just zapping Ugh. him that was not great what yeah and i don't blame just the action scene for being blah because if it had meant something if we had any idea what was going on or what was motivating the ninjas listen jabba's palace guards look like cosplayers and i was like Ooh. what what why is shrek here why is some guy dressed as shrek in the show right now that's one that, of those things that's what gamorians like, look like it's fine either you have the money to get that pulled off the right way or you just don't do it 
it looked a little cheap, so I'm a little worried uh, because the Mandalorian looks so incredible uh, universally. You know, and the funny thing is, I was under the impression, and maybe I'm wrong here because I know we're getting into some heavy Book of Boba Fett uh, critiques, but I thought they were being filmed in the same technique. Yes, all their shows should be being filmed in the same technique. Because they have like a pretty big CGI green screen setup thing. For, yep. for, so for whatever reason, though, like, yeah, I feel like they didn't put in the extra effort on this one. This one also doesn't... just kind of reeked of pandemic filmmaking where it was like no more than four people on screen at once. And also, I think there's a little bit of that in The Matrix, too. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, but in Jennifer Beals, defense. Jennifer Beals is here as a Twi'lek. I- uh, come on, vampires kiss. Yeah, I about lost yeah. my mind. When I saw Do you think that. Uh, oh Tamara gosh, Morris ever requested hot yogurt be poured on his face? <laughs> what, 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 what do you what think do you a th- back to tank is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what do you think is uh, going on in that back to tank? Man? That's all true. Okay. So, my second one is Ghostbusters Afterlife, which, if you haven't seen it, is going to be available digitally tomorrow or by the time this airs, it'll have been out for a couple of days. I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife. I know the Zoot recommended it on our Rocketeer pod. I thought I really, really loved that movie. It brought me a lot of joy, and I immediately bought the digital version to watch again. So uh, remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and PO Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash can be found at C A P T C A S H on most social media, and Chumpzilla can be found at Chumpzilla8 or harvesting blue pills for his personal stockpile he's a weird guy i'll take 1999 over this crap any day send me back i know you love tight leather which is another reason i really like this movie because the the outfits of the original matrix just seem ridiculous when you rewatch it now like i get this was like edgy and chic in 1999 but these (laughs) people look like assholes (laughs) they're cool hackers all right they're cool (laughs) hackers thunderous wizard they're they're what every person in the movie hackers thought they looked like when they were doing hacking things (laughs) not what they actually look like and honestly you have to remember too that i'm in it's meant to be overly stylized because it's it's in their head right that's that's kind of it's kind of the shtick it's i i feel like there's an in-universe explanation for it but 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 let's just be honest though that that kind of like influenced how action movies looked right i mean we bought yes. into that hook line and sinker at the time x-men x-men yeah. big time leather, X-Men leather. Like, yeah yeah underworld it's for one of the re- sure. yeah yeah it's one of the reasons we didn't get comic accurate costumes i think for as long as we did because like hey everybody has to be in a leather cat suit that's it that's not the worst world yeah. i'd live in that matrix underworld's <laughs> like how tall are her boots not tall enough. Take them taller. Back. Taller. <laughs> we need them taller. No, so no, 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 no. you didn't hear me. I want this blood rain. Hi. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen that movie. Uh, Mayor get, Mc- oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> Mayor McCheese, who's not here, can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. And check out Wobam Entertainment at WobamEntertainment.com or at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. In the end, listeners, the sheeple aren't going anywhere. They like my world. They don't want this sentimentality. They don't want freedom or empowerment. They want to be controlled. They crave the comfort of certainty. That is the analyst 
and it is quite a poignant quote. Uh, we'll see you next week for the start of our Hops and Hometown Flop series with the film Near and Dear to Chumpzilla's Heart, Deadbeat at Dawn. <laughs> That's not going to be Emma, get the you're gun! Gonna, yeah. You're going to make me pay to watch this garbage. I have a feeling we're going to have to pirate that one. So um, <laughs> whatever I said at the beginning of the pod, this which again, does not exist. We here, so. <laughs> we here at Hops and Box Office Flops do not endorse the cool, cool crime of piracy. <laughs> <laughs>